Welcome back to Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the best from the world of CrossFit. Podcasts, news, special interest, health, fitness. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button. Hit the notifier so you're the first to know when we have new episodes. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Clydesdale Media Podcast. My name is Scott Schweitzer. This is Tim Paulson, uh, CrossFit Games athlete and new rogue qualifier. We're going to touch on all of that in this short little conversation with him. So welcome, Tim. Awesome. Thanks for having me back, man. It's good to be here. Yeah. So we talked to you right after last chance. Yes. And uh, got your ticket into the games you made it to the games this year, so you and you made it through the games, so that's better than last year. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So I want to kind of walk through some of the events, um, see your reaction to the games, get your overall perspective. Um, first of all, how exciting was it to go and take your little boy and have the family there for the games? Oh, it was the best. Um, I mean, it gets better every year, you know, like last year was the first year that Wes was there with us, uh, but he was only not even a year at that point. So he was not really kind of getting what was going on. Uh, but this year, you know, he was like, he turns two in like just over a week, week and a half, something like that. So he like really kind of got it. Like you'd see dad on the big screen and he'd be like, Oh, dad, dad, working out. So like, you know, you could, he actually like really kind of got it and got involved. Um, so that was really cool. And obviously having the whole support network there was awesome. Uh, you know, my wife is hands down just the best. So I'm very lucky. Uh, my family was there. My wife's family was there. So we had a nice little crew. Uh, it was a, a stressful week at the games for sure. Wes climbed out of his crib the night before we left. So we couldn't really do his normal sleeping situation while we were at the game. So he, we were like pseudo transitioning him into a toddler bed, a.k.a. mattress on the floor while we were in Madison. Then he got sick on Friday. My wife had to take him to urgent care. So it was like a whole, the games were a trip this year. So yeah, they were, uh, it was very stressful for all involved, especially my wife. Um, you know, obviously she takes so much off my plate, especially during competition windows. Um, you know, so she was kind of handling all the back end stuff of that and it was a lot. So yeah, but it was a great week. It was a great week at the games. <laughs> so big question who gets more nervous? A, Caitlin, B, your dad, C, you. Definitely, probably in that order, A, B, C. Yeah, I think Caitlin <laughs> is Caitlin is hands down more nerve wracked to watch me compete uh, than I think I ever am. Um, part, especially now because you know, like trying to cater a toddler to and from the venue and like. What are, what are we going to do with him all day? How's he going to nap? What are, you know, like just like kind of all the little parental logistics that go into it now, you know, adds a whole nother layer of stress onto the fact that I already stress her out when I compete. So like her baseline has always been relatively high as far as like, <laughs> you know, especially semifinals level obviously is always worse because that's when it's all kind of on the line. Once you're at the games, you know, you're there to put on a show, perform, do your best. So it's a little bit lower, but not that much. Um, and yeah, my dad is a, he is like the anxious pacing machine. You, you can't, you have to strap that guy into a chair to get him to actually watch an event <laughs> of mine, like sitting down, 
which like I think at the games is hard for him because like at semifinals, there's not usually assigned seating. So he can kind of like pace around and get his anxious energy out. Whereas at the games, he's like confined to a chair between a bunch of people. So I'm sure he's like shaking half of the event. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, and then obviously for me, you know, there's all the nerves that go along with competition. You know, if you're not nervous, you're dead. So like, you know, I get nervous before events, but you know, when you're the one who's in the driver's seat, it's easier to kind of, you know, trust, trust the work that you've put in and kind of trust that you can execute things like that. So I would say my stress level is definitely at least a couple clicks lower than either my dad or my wife's. So on Saturday, was Wes feeling better after urgent care or was he still sick? Oh yeah, no, he did like the full toddler thing where like he spikes a fever, gets like you know, pretty sick and generally very cranky for like max 24 hours. And then he's completely fine. So like she was at urgent care with him for like five days or five hours on, I think it was Friday. My timeline at the games is completely messy. I can remember what day his events were, but that's about it. Uh, So yeah, by Saturday though, he was like back at the venue, completely fine, you know, just kind of had like a normal run of the mill toddler viral thing. So there was nothing they could really do for him other than send him on his way. (laughs) So the reason I ask is if people follow your Instagram, we know that Wes is amazing at the D ball clean. He is, he is right. crushing it. So, so he would be an awesome coach to have for the sandbag clean ladder. Did he, did he give you any pointers? He did. He told me data lift and uh data crush. Those are his, his favorite, uh, <laughs> his favorite coaching, coaching cues and coaching pointers at this point. Um, which, yeah, I mean, that's just, it's super cool, especially going into events. Like every time I leave the house, he looks up, he'll go dead, that crush. And it's just like, it warms my heart. So it's, it's the best. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was able, he watched a little bit of the sandbag clean ladder. Admittedly, that one was a little bit past, uh, past bedtime. So I think he caught maybe the front end of it. And then they, they, I think my in-laws took him back to the house again. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing at this point, but yeah, he, he gave me some good, some solid, some solid pointers. I think I crush it. Definitely crossed my mind a couple times as the bags got heavy. Keep it simple, stupid, you know, good stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. That, that event went forever, but I don't think anybody cared who was in the, in the Coliseum. No, I mean, it was definitely, the build was very slow. I mean, even for the athletes, the build was slow, you know, I think, and the tough part for us is like, you know, they, the sandbags we had in the back were either 240, 270 or 300 and 30 pound jumps with an implement that you're not super familiar with at that loading anyway, was pretty aggressive. So like in the back, I had 270 kind of once and I was like, well, that's it. We're just going to go ahead and get out there and we're hopefully figure it out on the fly. And I think a lot of guys were in that boat, you know, trying to just like, you work on some technique in the back, you look at some YouTube videos, you're trying to find everything you can for a little bit of a technical advantage. Um, But yeah, once you got out there, I mean, I think the slow build was necessary because uh, you could see a lot of guys, myself included, started to get comfortable. I kind of found a groove after the first few bags. You're like, okay, I kind of get what this is like now. My technique's starting to feel a little bit better. The jumps are reasonable for a new implement. Um, So that was actually definitely helpful. Um, But I mean, that event, as much as it was a massive, it was so exciting. It was a huge adrenaline dump because once, you know, for me, like once I got to 270, like every bag was a PR and every bag was like this maximal, like get fired up, you know, like you're, you're trying to drain the reserves on basically every lift because I didn't know if I was going to get another one. So you're kind of treating every lift like it's your last because you're like, I've never done 280 before. So I got to give it my all. So I mean, once the event was over, 
just the adrenaline letdown was wild because, you know, it was basically every 10 minutes for the better part of an hour hit a PR. You know, like, it, you know, like if you, if you sat in the gym and did that, you'd be like, that's stupid. Why would it like the, the <laughs> it, it would sound crazy. Like you would never try and hit a PR every 10 minutes for over an hour. So it was definitely in the moment. It was awesome. But the second it was over, it was like, oh, I'm so tired. Like, just immediate, like needed a nap, which luckily it was last event of the day. So thank God. <laughs> so there was a lot of talk about um the cns kind of when you thought it was done that the cns you just were like and when they rolled that 350 bag out for the guys that were left that they had to get it ramped back up and they just couldn't if they would have known 350 was coming we may have seen a few people actually complete the lift yeah i mean i would definitely say that i mean like i mean even for me i tapped out at 330 and like 320 I hit it. And at that point I knew that a lot of, you know, a lot of the guys I kind of had to beat based off of where standings were on Saturday night, I had already beaten them. So I was like, okay, this is great. I'm where I'm at. And like, I gave 320 everything. Like I went to pick 330 off the floor and it was like hard pass. There was, there was not a shot in hell. I mean, it was, it was, it was stapled to the earth. And yeah, that was just like, that was the adrenaline. You know, that was like the CNS saying like, no, you're done, buddy. We gave you everything we had and your adrenaline's gone. (laughs) So the minute that they thought 340 was the end, as an athlete, when you relax, is it hard to get back up for the 350? Oh, I mean, I would have to imagine. I mean, even like, again, even for me, like on my last bag, you know, I wouldn't say I relaxed afterwards, but based on how hard it was, like I hit the lift, got super fired up. And like my mind immediately was like, I think that's it. And like the second you kind of have that thought of like, you know, I, I think I'm done or like, I'm, you know, like you just kind of, that mindset shifts a little bit. I mean, getting back up is not something that, you know, you can do it between events when they're close together, stuff like that, because you're prepared for a new task. But I mean, in a minute by minute, like real time like that, where it's like, Oh, I'm done three seconds later. Oh, I'm not done. Like trying to find that level again. Yeah. I don't think there was I don't think there was any save in that as much as everybody wanted to put on a show. <laughs> so the, did you have to do the tiebreaker? I did. Yeah. There was, there was a, I think there were six or seven guys in my tiebreaker. Cause like three thirty was a, that was a, you know, like that was a really t- a lot of guys bought like backed out, like basically three ten twenty thirty were where most of the field tapped out, you know, like that was where from high twenties to top 10 tapped out in those three bags. So I think for me, like I said, I think it was six or seven people. And based on where I was and how many guys were left, I want to say there was only guys that hit 330. There couldn't have been more than like six or seven, like off the top of my head, I think. So, I mean, you know, like, so going into the tiebreaker for me, it was like first in the tiebreaker is like seventh or eighth. Last is like 15th. You know, like, like it was that level of spread where you're like, okay, this 15, 10 second sprint is worth potentially 20 points. Um, so, I mean, that was also part of like a little bit of my mind game going into three 30. I was like, if I don't think I've got this right away, I'm not going to waste the effort because like, I would rather have more and more adrenaline, more gas in the tank to go and absolutely destroy this tiebreaker and hopefully gain a couple spots there. And I did, I did well, I think I finished third in the tiebreak second or third. So again, I forget what the event placing was, but I think it was right around 10th. It was like nine, 10, yep. 11, something like that. Exactly. It was 10th. 
No, there you go. Um, so how light were those bags throwing them over the yoke after you just tried 330? I mean, it was actually, it was pretty funny. Like, you know, I obviously still have my belt on. Cause I was like, I'm not using any technique here. Like I'm just going to, I'm going to monkey curl 200 pounds off the floor and throw it, which is obviously not the way that I would usually clean a 200 pound sandbag. But yeah, but like you hit the, I went uh, heavy to light. So I did 200, 150, hundred. And I mean, after even the 200 was light. And then by 150, it was just like, it was a pebble at that point. Literally, it was just like, pick it up, bicep curl it and like give it a little toss and just kind of hope it makes it over. So there was a lot of, there was definitely a lot of recklessness on that sprint because you kind of had to be, you know, like, like if you wanted to try and win your tiebreaker, you had to be reckless. You couldn't really set any bags or anything like that. So yeah, it was a, that was a super tense 10 seconds. <laughs> On the women's side, it was almost like they could grip the light lightest and just chuck it. Oh yeah, I mean the women's. Did they go one fifty, one hundred fifty? I I think. I think so. I mean, yeah, fifty pounds for especially for how strong. The, I mean, the like fifty pounds is a peanut. I mean, a hundred pounds for the guys is also very light, but like fifty pounds is you know that's a dumbbell they use in workouts most of the time. You know, so like that's a, that's just like a one handed. Yeah. I think there were a couple of girls that literally just heaved it over their shoulder and ran to the finish line. They're like, I don't, I'm not even going to watch it. I'm just going to throw it between the goalposts and, and hope it kicks. Yeah. Yeah. It like the Steph Curry walk away three pointer, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was really cool. Let's, let's go to the overall now. Um, the day starts with a bike. That was not your best, best move. <laughs> was not was it the gymnastics or the biking oh it was the gymnastics 100 percent. yeah i mean that was like you know that workout was just so tough because it's you know it's a new movement it's a new movement standard and there was a lot of gray like every athlete knew it you know like go, even during the brief everyone's kind of looking at each other like we know this is going to be a bit of a shit show um you know, cause it's a new movement. So there's always going to be a bit of a gray area. You know, it was the same when the ring handstand pushups came out a while, you know, a couple, eight years back, whatever it was, you know, there's just a lot of gray. And I think you can kind of, you can see what Boz was going for, like trying to keep the movement as virtuous as possible, trying to stay true to the, the truest sense of the movement. Um, so I get that and I respect that. And, you know, I think it was just really tough because as an athlete, when you do move, when you do a movement, there's a finish point that you can really feel like almost everything, you know, like for a sandbag clean, I can feel when the bag's on my shoulder for a squat. Like I know when I'm below parallel for a handstand pushup, it's that one thing where every single handstand pushup that you do to that point, your head touched something in the bottom. Like it's a, whether it's the floor, like freestanding parallel, doesn't matter. You always touch something. And that's when you're like, okay, now I know I'm good. I can return. Whereas this, there was no touch. And even the line that we had to cross, you couldn't see because it was, you know, a line on a set of blocks. And in order to keep your head as long as possible, you had to kind of tuck your chin and you couldn't see anything. So there's this huge guessing game as far as like where you think below the line is versus not. So like, and obviously you didn't want to miss a rep. So you erred on the side of going a little bit lower, but that became more exhausting because you were going a half an inch to an inch lower every rep than you needed to. So there was a lot that went into it. And I think a lot of guys were caught by surprise, you know, like, like it wasn't obviously just me, but you know, that was definitely a piece of it. And then the other piece honestly was just, we, uh, we, we shot, we, we shot me out of a cannon a little too hard. 
because uh, I'm handstand pushups are generally very good for me. It's a really good movement. I have short arms. I have great pressing strength. So, you know, it's something I normally excel at. So we were like, all right, I'm obviously good for the echo bike. Handstand pushups are a strength. So let's, you know, let's ride the line a little bit and be a little bit aggressive. And it just turned out it was a little too aggressive based on the new movement and how unfamiliar I was with it. You know, so like I think the first set went like seven, three or something like that. And then the second set went, I think three sets, I want to say it was like four, three, three, maybe off the top of my head. And like, by the end of that set, I was like, you've made a little bit of a mistake just because I could feel how fatigued the positions were getting, you know, things like that. So like the, the, the last bike before the final set of handstand pushups, I don't even know if I put my hands on the arms. Like, I'm pretty sure I just used my legs and just like, held my arms at my side to try and get some recovery. Cause I knew the last set was going to be a grind and it was, it was, you know, I mean, it was, there was a couple singles in there and you had to wall walk up. So there was a, it got rough by the end. And I think we could have mitigated it a little bit with a little bit more conservative game plan, but you don't know that with the new movement, you know? So it, it was, it, it was all a guessing game for everybody. Do, do you think athletes underestimated the wall walk portion of that? hundred percent. Um, I mean, it's like, especially, I think early on, it doesn't feel too bad because, you know, when you're fresh ish, even the first round or two, like, you know, you, you're efficient on the wall walk and it's okay. But like the second you come anywhere near failure or fatigue on a rep, like that little extra wall walk up feels like everything because you're like, I can always do a single handstand push up. Like you're all like, no matter the deficit, you're like, I can always do one. But when that one comes with six to eight steps up where you're using your triceps like again it's it was new and that you had to on the fly figure out how much fatigue is that wall walk going to cause how does that affect my rest like especially when i'm really tired and i'm already down to singles like how long does my rest really need to be to also take into account the wall walk portion in addition to the actual press itself so it was hard <laughs> but before we get to your highlight of that event um I was in the media pit for that event and uh, right beside Lazar Jukic. And uh, he was so mad at his official, his judge. I was getting spittle, I think, from his argument. Oh, my God. <laughs> because it was it was a judging shit show that it was so inconsistent. I mean, I was right there yeah. on the line. And and some people were being forced to go much lower than others. Um and I'm not here to bash judges. I was a judge at one time. So like, yeah. that's not what it's about. I think it's hard for them. It's a new movement for the judges too. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Right? I mean, no, it was definitely um, that work. That workout was easy on nobody like judges, athletes. I mean, across the board, everybody was being asked to do something new and you know, you're, you're obviously you're competing for points. You're competing for money. Like, you know, like everything's on the line, like, and the, the judges know that, but like, it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's easy to get, fired up in the moment like yeah i don't think i don't think it helps at all you know like i i generally you know if i get a no rep i've i learned many years ago that there's no point in getting you know no use crying over spilled milk so just kind of look at your judge hey what was wrong help me back to work so the highlight of the echo press was your final bike and it's it's kind of that like crossfit ideal right in the moment when someone wants you to finish, regardless if you're finishing first or 40th or 20th or whatever it is, like the crowd went ape. Oh. 
over your final echo bike. <laughs> so what are the feelings in that moment? And then how much did that push you to go complete ham? Oh yeah. I mean, it was the, the like that, that moment will be one of my top competition memories of my entire career. Hands down. Um, the Coliseum's always wild. Like it's, you know, like the Coliseum at the games is a really cool environment. Like it's, noise echoes it's just loud as all hell so like when you get into certain events where there's a race i mean yeah that place goes bananas and for me we do workouts all the time where it ends on a machine like it's a staple of our programming at least a couple times a week there's this just this mindset of like okay like the workout's over how bad do you want it you know like and we do that all the time so like for me the mental piece was there the stimulus was there the training adaptation was there so i knew i was like all i got to do is get to the bike when i get to the bike I'm going to have like, especially if this crowd gets behind me, like we're going nuts. So, I mean, I got on the bike and, you know, 30 cows is, is no joke for sure. I mean, that, that's enough calories that you know that you're not going to be sprinting the whole time. Like, even if you start out guns hot, you're not going to last everybody. Every athlete knows that, especially at the end of a workout, fresh, different story, but like, so getting on the bike, like that's all I knew. I was like, all right, I'm just going to sprint until the wheels fall off and then I'll just survive and figure out what happens next. So, you know, I got down, head down. I was like, all right, close your eyes and just go for, you know, count, like count 10 breaths, like just sprint as hard as you can for that. And like the second I started, the place went bananas. And it was just like, that was when the noise kicked in. And it's like, okay, like you're the, again, that like the adrenaline, like you're going to find another gear here. And I mean, I was able, I don't, I, again, I don't remember vividly, but like, I don't think I ever saw lower than like 90 RPMs on my bike, you know? So like, and that's not usual for a 30 cal sprint at the end of the workout, you know? So once the crowd went nuts, I was like, that was a hill I was willing to die on. And like, so they went berserk, you know, I just kind of like really, again, the adrenaline ramped up and I felt like a superhero. You're like, I, like I could do this. And then I think my judge's hand went up for the last five calories and the place went again, berserk a second time. Cause they obviously were like, Oh my God, he held on. He's not dead. So I think everybody was excited to see I didn't die. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it was just like that kind of final little bit of push that I needed. And I mean, it was, you know, crazy, a workout like that in the gym, I assure you, I do not get up that fast. Um, you know, like I, I slid across the finish line, got my chip across, gave myself a little moment and like, was like, all right, you got to hop back up and, you know, high five the crowd because they were awesome. And they kind of got you through that. So I definitely was a little more put together than I think I normally uh, would be after that. But the, the, the letdown was real. Once I got off the floor, I, I assure you it all came hitting back. It just took a couple <laughs> minutes longer than longer than it normally did. Yeah. I, I have goosebumps right now with you just talking about it again. Uh, it, and I would say the Coliseum was louder this year than I've heard it in years past. Yeah. Like it was, it, when you say berserk, it was insane in there oh yeah no I, I could feel it like i i could feel the noise and that's when you know it's that's when you know it's good <laughs> yeah so i wanted to talk briefly about uh elevated elizabeth mm -hmm. you know the name of the show is clydesdale uh i say you're one of the original clydesdales those parallel bars had a lot of give on your trip across them oh, yeah. i was watching you going holy shit <laughs> like he is, he is, but you did really well in that event. Yeah. Um, so walk us through that one a little bit. Yeah. So I mean, that workout again, it was another big unknown. Like, you know, we've done, we've done handstand walks on parallels. So like I had a rough idea of what they were going to feel like, but obviously the dips, the dip support position is much, 
I won't say it's less fatiguing, but it, you know, it's a little bit easier than an overhead, especially with when the parallettes flex, like when you're flexed here, it's a lot easier to absorb load into your shoulders. Um, so, and I've my, so my first ever event win was the dumbbell snatch strict ring dip workout from regionals in 2017. That was the first workout I ever won in a competition. So like we knew that I, like I have a, I have a very good pressing history. Like, you know, like I'm generally very good at pressing movements. Um, so that was a workout we were willing to take a little bit of a risk on. And that meant going big on the cleans. So, you know, you had to break them up seven, 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 five, 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 and, you know, you had to advance the bar. So the basic game plan was like, all right, just go touch and go. Those are your sets. Try and manage your rest, keep it light. Um, and that was exactly what I did. Like, as I got tired, game plan was to do a couple singles in the last quadrant, um, based on how the shoulders were feeling and the traverses definitely got really nasty. Uh, like by the time you're kind of getting towards, the end, uh, end of the round of 15 into the first round of nine, like that traverse was really starting to catch up. And so there was definitely some singles towards the end of those rounds, just to, again, give the arms a little bit of time to extra time to recover because there wasn't really a point to sprinting back to the parallel bars. If you couldn't get right to work, um, at least that was our kind of approach to it. Um, but I mean, my, you know, my, my shoulder stability is really good. So my lockout's good. So I knew that I could do the traverses pretty well. Um, again, dip strength is strong. So, we were willing to risk it a little bit there. Um, I think it was pretty well executed on the whole. Like, you know, I, I don't think I could have gone frankly any faster. You know, I think I, that was one of the workouts on the weekend of a few that I feel like I executed to a really, really high level. You know, like it was, I rode the line well and the line was muscle fatigue. It wasn't like a heart attack workout or anything like that. You know, it was about managing fatigue on the parallel bars. And I felt like I did that really well. Um, so yeah, it was, that was a good event. I was, I was really happy with that. And I think that one was, was that Friday night? That was Wednesday night. Good Lord. Yeah. So I needed a little bit of a pick me up. Um, Cause I, you know, Wednesday, we also had the skill, uh, skill medley. And there was a, that was a fiasco outside of my control. So that was a really tough finish, you know, so I needed a, I needed a good one. Um, and, you know, going into the Coliseum and getting a good finish definitely gave me some good energy going into the rest of the week. So let me ask you this question. What is the event that you learned the most about yourself on? Um, learn the most about myself. That is a good question. I mean, that's tough. Cause like you, you learn something on every event, like, you know, like good, bad, or like good, bad, or indifferent, you learn some lessons. Um, I guess, I mean, as far as which one challenged me the most, like from a, a mental standpoint, not necessarily physical was probably the skill medley. Um, just because it was one of those ones where going in, my expectations were pretty high. Um, you know, those are all things I'm comfortable with. We've worked really hard on pegboards because, you know, it's a pulling movement, upper body pulling something I generally struggle with. So, you know, we've worked really hard on those. They felt great. You know, I'm comfortable with the jump rope. I can do weird things with it. I'm really good upside down on my hands. So that was one I was really looking forward to. And to get like, I got a no rep for my hand coming out of my lane on the final part of my handstand walk. Um, and I, I just knew in the moment that I didn't do that. So like, like I, I knew I was watching my hands, obviously. I knew they were in my lane because I, I we've been doing handstand walks that way for almost a decade now where your hand can't go outside of your lane. So it's a standard I'm comfortable with. I knew what I was executing and I got a no rep that again, I, I saw videos of like, I, I, I had a photographer who was on the floor and had a video of me literally like 20 feet away and my hand never crossed the line. So it's like that one was the most 
mentally challenging one because again, I had high expectations, something outside of my control completely derailed those expectations and it resulted in a really rough finish. And like, I was pissed like that. I was, I was livid. Like the second the workout finished, I was like, I knew I didn't make it through the first cut. Like I didn't make it into the top 20 to get a chance at the next one. And like, that was really hard because it was just a, it was one of those times where you had to give yourself the time to be pissed because you know, you can't, I'm not a big fan of like pushing emotions down or away. Like you have to deal with them. So like, I was like, all right, you've got, give yourself 15 to 20 minutes, like be fucking pissed, like be angry because you're allowed to be angry. Like it's okay. But then obviously you've got to get your head back in the right space because you've got the rest of the weekend. You know, we had another event that night. So like there was a lot more to look forward to and kind of try and get back on the right page. So I'd say that was probably the biggest mental test as far as like, having to go from a really, really low, low to trying to get back up and, you know, get a, get a good performance out on the next workout. Yeah. And you were visibly upset on the floor. My, my co-host and I were looking at each other like this did not go well for Tim. No. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't, I was not, I wasn't hiding it. I'm like, I I'm, I'm pissed and I'm okay. If you know that I'm pissed because that was not, that was not okay. <laughs> so we have a surprise guest joining us. You may know this person. Let me see. We got. Oh, hey, what's up, Dad? Hey, T. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> How are you doing? Sweet. Good. <laughs> Just chat with Scott. I know. Actually, he was nice <laughs> enough to reach out uh, and said, "Hey, I'm going to be talking to Tim on Tuesday. If you have a little time Tuesday afternoon, can you chat?" Oh, well, hell yeah. Let's chat. I grabbed my C4. So Scott, <laughs> actually, Tim can tell you our fridge is, is totally stuffed with it at home. So, oh, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's, there's no problem. <laughs> yeah. And if you use the code Clydesdale, you get 20% off. Get out from the website, or I'll definitely have to do that. Yep. From the website. Yeah. All right. The problem gets worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's worse things to be addicted to. <laughs> So I met, I met your dad at Granite Games. Uh, he introduced himself and uh, I got to witness the pacing firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to, I wanted to kind of get his perspective on your game's performance. And we, I just asked him, like, what's the event that he learned the most about himself on? From you, what's the event you were most proud of him on? Um. Let's see, probably the capital. I, I mean, obviously, I mean, the full send is, I mean, that's that's going to live on. That has a life of its own. And that was that was certainly the coolest moment. But I think the capital um, was just from a spectator perspective and just like the, the brute strength required to do it was was super impressive. I mean, and Tim's told the story of, you know, like, I mean, you run up the hill into the capital, grab the jerry cans, and you're kind of walking downhill. And at some point, you're like, I'm going downhill a lot. And what goes down must come up. So, I mean, I can't even imagine. We were stationed kind of right next to the finish line. So we were able to see where you picked up the, the bags, but just couldn't totally appreciate up. I mean, you just watch guys like Lazar Ducic and, I mean, Haley Adams, literally, I mean, her body just shut down. And, and to be able to kind of grunt through that and just brute force through that, I mean, I, that was most impressive to me through, uh, of all the events. I thought it was, that was pretty cool. So Tim, you said yourself, you have short arms for a tall guy. I do. Does that hurt you with the Husafel stone? Uh, f funny enough, no, because they're not so short that I can't grip it well. So it actually like, it allows me to like my lock on the stone is literally like right on my wrist. So 
And because they're tapered, you can kind of get under the bag a little bit and like you can lock at a low point. Like you don't have to lock around the kind of the widest part of the bag. Um, yeah, no, I, I love sandbags. They're, I, I'll tell anybody though, listen, like they're one of my favorite training implements. You know, like if, if I could have one thing for the rest of my life, it would be a couple sandbags of different weights and I would use them for basically everything. I just think it's like, there's something very primal about sandbag work that is just really, it's fun to do. And it's, again, it requires a lot of grit and not as much technique. And there's something to that. That's just like, I don't know. I love it. I, I agree with you. That's my favorite implement in my garage. Oh, and when you out. drop it, it doesn't shake the house. That's also nice, especially for when my wife works out at like five in the morning and everybody's <laughs> asleep upstairs. It definitely is a little softer on the ground than a barbell clinking around in the basement. <laughs> right. We were actually talking to Matilda Garns yesterday, who is the tallest female athlete. Mm. And she was kind of kicking herself because on that Husafel stone, she was gripping it with her fingers instead of locking and didn't oh. use the advantage she had. Long arms and oh, yeah. no. those stones are, I mean, don't we've done like bag work where you don't like just for grip strength, like, you know, you don't lace your fingers because of it's that much more impactful. So like as an accessory, like, yeah, sandbag holds where you don't lock, like, you know, you just hug this way or like you kind of keep your fingers here because it's easily 10 times harder. So I can't imagine what that, <laughs> what that bag would have <laughs> felt like if I couldn't lock my hands around it. <laughs> So again, to your dad, what is the, what's the favorite event you watched Tim do other than the full send? Not proud this time, but just favorite yeah. fun to watch. Um, trying to think which one, I mean, honestly, even though it was kind of rain delayed and rain adjusted the, uh, I guess, what was that Tim? The, is that like event 10 or 11? The run the overhead one or the, oh, the kettlebell sled. Yeah, the kettle, yeah, which kind of a cool concept where you kind of unloaded as you went out and reloaded when you came back. I thought that was uh, that was a cool event. I mean, I think the, the the rope climbs would have made it a little bit different, even though it wasn't like high volume. But that was fun to watch just because it was easy to follow what was going on in the field. And you can kind of see, I mean, I mean, Tim's notorious for pacing and. I mean, he and his coach and my wife are forever like, oh, my God, Tim, you got to go faster, dude. And then he, doesn't, he goes from like 13th to 10th to 9th to 7th to 6th to 5th. And there's just a, a method to the madness. And that was another one of those ones where you're like, dude, you got to pick it up. But just methodically just continue to pick people off until he I think that was a top 10. Was, was that like eight or nine? Like, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was single digits. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was cool. That was fun to watch. It was just a cool spec. I guess spectator perspective and it was, and obviously Tim did well. So that always helps. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I, I love the concept of that because when I first started CrossFit in 2011, like we were in such a small box, we worked out mo outside most of the time mm -hmm. and half the workout was dragging your stuff out <laughs> uh -huh. uh, to the parking lot to do the workout. Oh yeah. yeah. We, our gym, we opened in a thousand square foot garage and like we could only have six to seven people inside, but we had two bay doors and then we had a driveway that was completely shit. It was like gravel with potholes and all that. So like, same thing. Once the gym got busy, you know, we're like, all right, we need to get 10 people in a class, 12 people in a class. So throughout the summer months, we would have 12 person caps and half the class would have to drag their shit out on the driveway. <laughs> and like, we, we had a buddy build a pull-up rig on the outside of the building so that people could have their barbell in the gravel and they could do pull-ups outside. So we had a, a similar, uh, this was back in like 2012. So like we had a very similar 
concept, I guess, of like, yeah, you got to carry all your stuff out on the driveway. Sorry, it's going to take 10 minutes, so figure it out. <laughs> so let's move on from the games. You both have done online qualifiers recently, and both were successful. <laughs> yes. Thank Tim God. more successful than I, but... <laughs> <laughs> So Tim, you, you qualified for rogue. Um, you had really good performances in the first three workouts. Last workout 15th. Oh, uh, was that the, that was the, which one was the last workout? The, that was the, uh, front squat burpee. F- oh yeah. Shoulder to overhead. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That one sucked. but that was good enough to get you into fifth place and luckily you read all the directions of what you needed to do for a video student of the game yes (laughs) so you didn't get caught up in all that mess thank god so have you ever done rogue before i've never done the competition uh i did the qualifier in 2020 i think it was i did it two years i want to say 2020 2021 they did invites only so i think it was 2020 um because yeah for 2021 rogue only invited the top 20 and then they backfilled a couple spots and i think i finished whatever 26 or 27th of the games that year so like i missed an invite by a couple spots um and i missed the year that i did the qualifier i got a a couple video penalties um which were actually the first and only ones i've ever gotten so that was that game was a shock to me um so I missed out that year. Like I said, I think it was 2019 or 2020. Uh, so this will be my first actual trip to Rogue, which, I mean, couldn't be more excited about as far as, like, I think it's the pinnacle off-season event. I mean, as far as, you know, depth of the competitive field, like, athlete experience, things like that, I've heard nothing but good things from people. Um, so that's awesome. And, I mean, yeah, as far as competition goes, it's, I mean, it's, you could argue it's more competitive than the games only in the sense that the field's a little bit smaller and it's, you know, it's all of the best guys at the games plus a couple qualifiers, you know? So, I mean, like you could, you could make the argument that the field while smaller might be as competitive as the games. Um, you know, so, I mean, that alone is a huge reason to want to go and throw down because, you know, it's another opportunity to test yourself against the best in the sport. So, I mean, who and, and it's only six events. Oh, did they announce that? Well, that's it. That's what's been the last oh, yeah. years. So I'm, so I'm mm-hmm. just going by history. Fair. Uh, generally, it's about six events, and so you don't have a lot of room to make up a bad event. Yeah, which I mean, I actually didn't even know it was only six events. That's a, that's stressful. Um, <laughs> but I mean, again, it's like it's cool that you know, especially for an out of season event. I mean. Six events is nice. It's like, you know, it's like a little regional weekend. It's not going to completely destroy you. I mean, you know, they're known obviously for strongman implements, for having some heavier stuff, things like that. And that obviously takes its own, you know, kind of special toll. But the workouts definitely err on the side of, I would say, you know, regional-esque or semifinal-esque as far as like time domains, you know, rep schemes, things like that. So, um, so that's kind of nice. You don't have to try, you're not training for the games again. Like, you know, your, your training is definitely a little bit different. Uh, you know, like what we're doing is, nowhere near what we were doing for the games as far as competition goes. Cause you know, again, if it's six, seven events over three days, like you only have to perform a couple times. So it's more about intensity than it is about like overall volume, things like that. Well, and it's really a fan experience too, right? They, they have strongman going the same time yeah. CrossFit's going. Yeah. So you have to have time for both. Um, I was there last year uh, as a volunteer on the media team. Hmm. I was in the third base dugout, great view. Oh, and that's awesome. 
And it was an amazing spectacle to watch. So much fun. Um, what I was going to ask you is how many family members are going? So I think just one. So yeah, just my, my dad's going to come down. Um, we're actually, so my, my wife and I have our, every fall we take a trip, uh, usually up to the Adirondacks because we're basic and we like to go see the leaves changing to go hiking. Um, so we like a week and a half, maybe two weeks before rogue, we're going to be up in the mountains for a week. Um, so she's obviously got time off work from that. She's a physical therapist. So it's not like she can just kind of rearrange her schedule kind of as she sees fit. So, um, and we didn't know about this until, I mean, what, basically two, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So, um, yeah, so she's going to stay at home with Wes. Uh, her parents are going to come up on the weekend to kind of help out and just give some, you know, give, give a hand there. Um, but yeah, so just my dad's going to be going and maybe a friend from the gym of his, and then actually a couple of my gym members are going to make a trip down as well. So there's a a few guys are going to fly down and just go hang out in Austin and watch them CrossFit. So, and my coach is going as well. Uh, my coach Dave's going to So a little bro fest. Yes. Oh, it's there's going to be a massive bro fest. Yeah. <laughs> Dave and I will be there, yeah. and then obviously, yeah, my dad will be there. A couple yeah. buddies from the gym, so it'll be cool. Yeah. And Tim's uh, Tim's sister gets married the Friday after Rogue, so so that's why Carolyn is not going to uh, Austin. She's gonna she's gonna stay home and hold the fort while uh, while the last minute preparations are taking place. <laughs> yes. And uh, the cool thing about Rogue too is there's a bunch of cool things. It's basically a power output event, which is kind of up your alley i've had that thought and i'm definitely not <laughs> mad about it um yeah i mean the workouts seem yeah i mean they again looking at workouts from the years past like the qualifier tend has has some long ones just to see if you've obviously got your base got your you know kind of all your ducks in a row but yeah the events on site definitely seem to favor like some sprinting and some shorter stuff so uh yeah i'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited for hopefully some full send opportunities. Hopefully, hopefully we get it. We get an echo bike down there. I, f- I feel like they can't not program one. It almost, it almost seems like doing themselves themselves a disservice. Um, so hopefully we get to see, get to see an echo bike. Wouldn't, wouldn't hate that, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, yeah, it's definitely, and that's one of the reasons other than the competitive field that I've always wanted to go do it is like, I've liked a lot of the events they've put out in the past. Um, you know, just looking at like last year's event year before that, like I've definitely, you know, I looked at a couple workouts and I'm like, that would be fun. So yeah, there's, that's definitely uh, that was a motivating factor for sure. <laughs> well, and it can't hurt that, you know, athlete experience, travel stipends, every person gets paid and the athlete experience of like getting fit for cowboy hats, boots, <laughs> uh, the belt buckle, all of that stuff. And, and who knows what they're going to do this year. That just was last year's thing. Yeah. Um, and I actually, for that moment, I was sitting in that area where they were sizing everybody. Oh my gosh. They were, they had bags. It was like the games, bags of stuff, oh my God. Um, of swag. Just what I need. Another pair of shoes. My <laughs> wife will be so excited. Um, I mean, yeah, not obviously, I mean, rogues at the forefront, you know, I mean, it's the only competition where they take care of the athletes to that level. And obviously they can do that because it's a small field. Um, and you know, it's, it's definitely one of the biggest steps forward in the profession professionalization of the sport, as far as, you know, even if the field is small, they're taking really good care of them. Um, and you know, that's obviously, I mean, you know, of course that's a motivating factor because, you know, it's a, it's an earning opportunity as an athlete. Like, you know, you want to take advantage of those when you can, um, you know, and you look at a lot of other competitions, you know, they, you know, they've got fields of 40, 50 athletes and they're paying maybe 10, 
you know, so it's like you're you're putting a lot of, you know, obviously you go there with the intention to, you know, to do well. But at the end of the day, you know, nothing's guaranteed. All it takes is one or two slip ups and you could go from fifth to 15th, you know, and that's obviously a huge, a huge disparity. Um, so, yeah, that was I mean, of course, that's a motivating factor as well, just to, you know, take try and take advantage of any of those opportunities that do come along. So in the COVID year, uh, I was sex and Panchek's judge for the weekend. Um, and so I was kind of behind the scenes and because of the way the money goes, like the, like they're seriously talking to background. Like if I can jump two spots, that's $10,000. Oh yeah. Like if I like, and it was so fascinating to watch all that going on, uh, behind the scenes. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. And they, again, they're again, front edge, they're paying for event wins and things like that. So, you know, you're, there's always the motivation there of like, uh, again, money isn't, isn't a side, like you're not, I'm not going to compete differently if money's on the line, but you know, when you're like, Hey, like if I really staple down on this workout, like if, if it's, you know, if it suits you and you're like, I think I can win it, or I think I, you know, I think I can do really well. Like there's that extra layer of like, yeah, of course I'm going to like, maybe, maybe take some risks. I otherwise would it, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Puts a little pressure on the judges too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does. (laughs) Yeah. They have a good team though, Rogue, and that's the other thing. Smaller fields mean you get more quality judges. They're mm-hmm. not spread yeah. thin, so yeah. you get the best of the best when you're when you're there with just twenty a twenty person field. Yeah, yeah. only two events a day. Get a nice little break in between. There's no community divisions, things like that. Must be a nice yep. event to judge, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's awesome. Um, so, um, is it Jerry or Gary? Jerry, Jerry. Yes. Okay. So Jerry, you qualified for the Masters Fitness Collective. I did. Yeah. Ron Ortiz was kind enough to go team. So he opened up a spot for me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so that's going to be up here in Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will be at that event. Uh, oh, nice. We have chosen to go to that. Uh, so I'm super stoked to see you there. Uh, what age group are you going to be in? 55 to 59. So I'm in the upper end of that. So it's funny, Tim and I have a master plan. So I have two years left in this age group. So in 2024, I'll be 60 to 65. So, so I got, I have 18 months of getting really good shape. (laughs) (laughs) So how would you, are you very much like Tim as an athlete, a power output athlete? No, actually, honestly, I'm more probably cardio bait, cardio biased. I mean, I was a basketball player and a runner growing up. And I didn't, I didn't touch a barbell until I started doing CrossFit seven or eight years ago. Um, so I have a lot of catching up to do with the heavy barbell. Um, in addition, uh, eight years ago, I had both my hips uh, resurfaced, which is kind of like a high performance hip replacement. So I, I, I am doing the best I can to test the limits of titanium strength, but I definitely don't want to go. I don't want to push it too far. <laughs> yeah. We call those bionics. Yes whatever fits. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Tim, how proud are you of your dad at this age competing at this level? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, like he's, it's, it's not a surprise because like he was always, you know, anytime I picked up a sport growing up, he was, he would always pick it up and try it. Like he would not necessarily try and excel at it, but like, you know, when I started playing hockey, he put on skates for the first time at 30, whatever years old, you know, like when I, like anytime I picked up something new, CrossFit was largely the same. Like once I opened a gym and kind of really fell in love with it, he's like, yeah, shit, I'll give it a go. You know, again, just partially out of an adventurous spirit. 
Um, you know, like I remember growing up, like he was running marathons, you know, somewhat competitively when I was a kid. So like the competitive streak was always there. You know, like I'm, I'm used to seeing my dad compete and try new shit. Like it's definitely not, it's not a, uh, it's not foreign to me by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's super cool to see him like, you know, I mean, really kind of fall in love with what I've, you know, fallen in love with kind of the competitive side of it, like giving it some gas. And I mean, it's awesome. You know, it's definitely, it's something cool to share and it's something really cool to see. Yeah. How important was it to, for you to see that example? Willing oh, to try I mean, anything. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I mean, yeah, I, I, my parents, I mean, I can't say enough nice things about the way that they raised me and like, you know, the things that, the things that I saw as much as I was told, you know, like, again, trying new things, like, and I think, you know, part of it's just like, I look, I look at it now and I can see it. Like it was just an involvement thing, you know, as much as an, an adventurous spirit, like you just want to do what your kids are doing. You know, like, I think like seeing, like having a son now, like, you know, even if he plays a sport that I hate, like, even if he plays baseball and I'm like, Jesus, couldn't you have picked literally anything else, please? I'm probably going to go play baseball just because I want to share it with him and I want to be a part of it, you know? And like, granted, I'll, I'll probably never be good at it. Like, I mean, who knows, maybe I like it or whatever. And I give it a shot, but you know, it's just, it's wanting, you know, I think it's a lot of it's wanting to be involved and wanting to understand and wanting to be, you know, kind of really be able to be a part of it in a, you know, in a meaningful way, other than obviously being, you know, just showing parental love, support, things like that. Like, you know, it's just kind of wanting to, you know, wanting, wanting to be there. And I think that's something that like, you know, I, I can see that obviously again, like having a kid now, I have like a little bit more perspective of like, oh yeah, like that is, there probably were other motivators as well, but like, that's probably the biggest one is just wanting to be a part of it and like being able to share it in a more real sense. Yeah. I mean, creating those shared experiences, I think is, is as much as anything, um, you know, like, guess what, you know what, if I didn't do thrusters, I wouldn't know how shitty they really were. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, just, I mean, cause it does give you a data point. I mean, it's funny cause Tim said, I mean, I think after the age of 35, I learned how to ice skate for your hockey. I learned how to play soccer cause I coached his daughter's soccer team, learned how to snowboard. I had never been on a like on a, on a mountain in my life and learned how to snowboard just to keep up with him. And then his sister rode, uh, she was on the crew team at Lehigh. So I did like a rowing thing and then CrossFit is the, yeah, again, it's been seven, eight years now. And it's, I mean, I'm, the funny thing is I me mean, with CrossFit, it's, it, I'm probably in better shape now than I've ever been. And it's always that shoulda, woulda, coulda. I mean, if I had done stuff like this 25 years ago, when I was still running, playing basketball, I, I mean, how the skills and the strength and, and the plyometrics like crossover sports. I mean, what I see like teenagers in our gym do, it's amazing. You know, I mean, it, it really, it's transformative and it just makes you a different athlete, you know? So there's a little bit of hindsight saying, I wish I had, but at the same time, then I might not have enjoyed it as much. Cause like I said, I never touched a barbell till seven or eight years ago. And honestly, Olympic lifting is one of the things I enjoy most cause it's just completely different. And I had never done it before. Yeah, I, I have the same regrets. Um, you know, I was a, I was a collegiate swimmer and mm -hmm. I was in the, the best shape of my life. And when that was over, when I retired, I had nothing to go to with that competitiveness mm -hmm. to it, right? Yeah. I tried powerlifting. I tried different things and it just nothing clicked like CrossFit did mm -hmm. 20 years later. Yep. You know, by that point, I had wrecked the body and done a whole bunch of things that I didn't need to yeah. do. But <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to, so, so you two seem like you're so close, right? How did your relationship change when Tim became a father? Um, it, uh, I mean, it was always close. Um, and it's, but it's, it's been, it's been neat to see him kind of grow into that role. 
Um, and Tim's in a unique position too. I mean, not having a nine to five job is a blessing and a curse. Um, you know, I mean, the curse is, I mean, I mean, you're running the gym and your job is never over, but at the same time, it gives you the flexibility to spend a lot of time with Wes, um, which that's invaluable. I mean, as Tim said, I mean, as a parent, the best thing you can give your children is time. And I mean, being present in that time. Um, so, I mean, I think that has been the coolest thing to see. I mean, none of it surprises me. I mean, Tim, yeah. As as big and Viking and and tattooed as he is, um, I mean he's he's a he's always been a gentle soul, kind of an old soul, and and a softy of sorts. So I mean, just seeing that come out really hasn't been a surprise. Um, and it's kind of cool because at the same time, when uh, Carol, and, my wife Carol, and Tim's mom is a nurse, and for the first ten years after the kids were born, she worked every other weekend because she would work like two twelves on the weekend and one shift during the week. And it gave us the flexibility. So she was home with the kids during the week. So I missed her mom did every other weekend for the first 10 years of Tim and Leah's life. And I think because of that, I'm closer to them because I mean, it was me, you know, I mean, on right. the weekend, it was me and I had to, you know, great. I did, I did the same stuff Tim did. I, I thought of anything to do with what can I do to get out of this house and do something with these kids until Carolyn gets home. <laughs> and uh, what can and I, I do to tire them out? So yeah. It's like a good nap. <laughs> yeah. So none of it surprises me. And Tim, yeah. I mean, Tim is a very involved and, and very passionate father. And none of that is a, is a surprise. So I want to end on a fun note. You guys are going to have your bro session, Austin. <laughs> when, when rogue is over, how, how are you going to celebrate? Oh, I already, uh, we were actually just home for uh, my sister's bridal shower was this past Saturday, Tuesday now. Um, mm -hmm. So we were home for the bridal shower and, I was already joking. I was like, I just want to like Austin's known for its, you know, it's got a great food scene. It's no, you know, it's no secret. It's a food town, music town. So I was like, I want to find the best barbecue joint we can. And I want <laughs> Southern barbecue. I want to find a craft brewery. I want some local beer. And, you know, for me, it'll be kind of the, a true celebration of an off season finally starting. Cause I mean, after the games, I took three weeks off. Um, I basically didn't really work out at all for essentially three weeks. And then the road qualifier got announced and I was like, I should probably do something. Um, so I jumped into classes at my gym um, and kind of like, you know, I, I very light, very lightly use the term exercise um, and then just kind of sent it for the rogue stuff. So I'm definitely looking forward to taking an actual proper off season of like a couple of weeks, you know, very low key things like that after rogue. So yeah, some, some barbecue and some craft brew will be my, my celebration and kickoff to that. And my job so, will be to pay for it. <laughs> depending on where he places true that's Maybe. true it's, not, it's on you Jim. <laughs> top five um, definitely <laughs> so just to let you know uh i did not have a bad craft beer in austin awesome it's good to hear that's, that's definitely and the the tex-mex and tacos are yeah. unreal mm-hmm and if you can get Franklin barbecue before it gets crazy. Franklin barbecue. All right. I'll put it on the list. So Franklin barbecue is the most famous brisket barbecue in the world, in the world. Wow. All right. I'm here for it. <laughs> we'll make a reservation on like tomorrow. If there's, <laughs> if there's one thing I know about it's food. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for it. Congrats on your, uh, I guess your journey. I, I love kind of you sharing your journey you're going on here. That's uh, It's been very fun to uh, to tag along and uh, very excited to see it come to fruition. Well, thank you so much. And hopefully uh, next year at the games, you won't recognize me. 
<laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so, yeah, if Tim, if you don't know, I'm I'm trying to lose 100 pounds by the 2023 CrossFit Games. Oh yeah. Uh, I am down 15 now. Uh yeah. so we're on the way. Awesome, uh, just got to keep going. Hell yeah. That's what it's all about. That's what yeah. that's what CrossFit's here for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've got a woman in our gym that uh yeah, she lost 100 pounds and I mean, yeah, completely changed her life. You know. So yeah. it's a uh, that's the cool part about as I mean, Tim, you've got you've got some older folks and some some folks struggling with weight and all that stuff at your gym. And it really, uh, yeah, th that's 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 the magic that they talk about with CrossFit and particularly in the community in the box. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you both uh, for jumping on, Tim. Good luck at Rogue. Thanks, man. Appreciate uh, it. And I will see you in Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. And uh, thank you so much, guys, and we'll talk soon. Awesome. Take care, Thanks Scott. so much for having me, Scott. Catch you later, Tate. Thank you so much for joining Clydesdale Media for today's episode. If you liked what you hear, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, and make sure you hit the notifier so you're the first to know when new episodes are out. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time with Clydesdale Media.